out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is The C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. I'm with you to the end of this interview. As you know, we always play the finest in indie pop, um, but we also love a special guest. This, is, this week, it is the turn of the front man from Die Pretty. Yes, Australia's finest band in so many ways. Um, yes, so this is Ron Penno, who I um, spoke to, I think this is about an hour of quality chat. Anyway, after a bit of chat and getting to know each other, I um, began by asking Ron how he was, because he'd had a slight problem with his health, as we, well, a lot of us do, do as we uh, get a bit older. Anyway, that was my comment, and this is Ron's response. Ron, it's over to you. And also, I'd like to dedicate this show to the one and only Lucy. Lucy, if you're listening, I hope you enjoy it. Better big year, yes, yes, um, um, yes. Diagnosed with esophageal cancer in January of this year, and um, and uh, ending the year without it. So that's that's good. It's, a, it's, a, it's been a, a bit of a bit of a journey. It's been a, a bit of a journey through the year. But um, yes, you, it's something you don't want to really hear your doctor say. I thought it was a hernia or something. I couldn't swallow, like I couldn't swallow food and stuff. So. You know, I just thought it was some sort of obstruction or some silly thing, and uh, and it was esophageal cancer. There was a tumor on my esophagus, and it was cancer, a cancerous tumor. And um, yeah, so um, uh, so it's been, uh, you know, he said, uh, I, we died pretty. Had some shows booked for uh, April of this year. We were going to do a uh, what is called a, a little festival called a day on the green here, uh, which is an outdoor festival. It's a winery type thing, and we were going to do it with Brian Ferry. Yes. Uh, he was headlining and uh, cancel Lowe's and we were doing some of our own shows around Australia, around the country and we had to cancel Lowe's. Uh, I rang the guys and said, look, there's a bit of a problem's come up. We might have to cancel because I have this thing called esophageal cancer. So they were all very good. And um, so we we managed to um, – so and, and my friend Charity's just been sort of looking after me and uh, she's been uh, absolutely wonderful and, and, and it's been all – Friends have been rallying and stuff. So, and uh, I was operated on in, uh, in May, and they were able to get it. They operated at exactly the right time, because apparently uh, it's a it's a this sort of cancer where you don't know you got it until it's too late. <laughs> but for some for some reason, I had it just where I couldn't swallow, so it alerted me, and I went to the doctor, and they got it immediately. So, but I've had other people that have just passed from it. Yes. Because it uh, goes into different stages, and once you hit, like, stage four or something, they just make you comfortable then. Yes. there's nothing they can do. So, I don't know, maybe I have a guardian angel on my shoulder or something. Uh, well, absolutely. I'm, I'm incredibly lucky, incredibly lucky. So, yes. I, I, I live to fight another day. So, I, it's you know, all of these silly things, well, not silly, but all of these things point to, you know, I'm here for a reason, I guess. I'm here to keep rocking on a bit more. <laughs> well, a it, little... well, it is interesting because I think it was three years ago I was diagnosed with cancer and they, again, they, they, they found oh, it by, wow. mis- they found it by kind of accident, really. They were looking for one thing and then they, I had a scan mm. and then, then I got a call to come back in and I was, you know, feeling fine. So I just want, you know, waltzed into the, uh, 
see the surgeon or the doctor. I don't know. I just went in to see the place, yes. you know, and, and everyone looked a bit serious. And I was thinking, what's going on? You mm. know, and they went and they had these uh, kind of, the, the, yes, they yes. had these scans, you know, on the computer and they, they pointed to this area, which looked yes. rather dark. And um, it was like, mm, that's not good. And we need you in as soon as possible to, to take a part of your, you know, pay, take part of your kidney away. And it's like, oh, it's my. the real shock, isn't it? It, it, yes. You're sort of bound in there and you're thinking, oh, yes, it's just a little hernia or something. Take this tablet and it'll be all right. It'll go away. Yes. And when they hit you with that, you just go, oh, my God. I was with my friend at the time. We just looked at each other and went, oh, my God, the, the C word. Yes. Uh, which you never thought. Um, you would... But it's caused, I, I guess, my years of, um, you know, living a high life of, um, you know, smoking and drinking. I finally caught up, I guess, you know, 40-odd years or so of smoking and drinking, uh, you know, because that's some of the causes of, of esophageal cancer is an acid reflux and all of that. So um, it was uh, it finally caught up with me. So Blimey. I've had to turn my life around this year. Uh, um, yes. And I guess, are you still after having... this phone call, I'm up to the gym. Actually, after I finish talking with you, I'm up to the gym. I go to the gym three times now. So it's all good. So I've just got a few scars and, uh, you know. Yes. Um, and do you have regular uh, and, checkups uh, and, sc and scans? I did on, I did on, at the beginning of this week. Uh, I, I went back to the hospital and uh, uh, I saw the surgeon and he doesn't want to see me again until June of next year. So that's wonderful. Yes. Well, yes, it's the same so as mine. So it's not going, it's gone completely. And they got it, they said we couldn't have picked it. If there was such a thing, a better time to operate on something like this. They picked it, they operated at exactly the right time. There was no sort of um, any any other little things at all, whatever they call lymph nodes and stuff like that. There was no trace of anything like that. So, well, it's, well, it's it and I, and I did, Sorry? And I was going to say, well, it's quite interesting because obviously you had an album out last year and there's a song on it which is quite over again with the lyrics which seem to you know all be talking about dying i think from memory yes <laughs> god knows what I... yes 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 and um, um, and it, it almost sounded like the sort of song you would have written after you had come out of surgery and thought i'm still alive because the lyrics on that uh, are quite yes. Like, well, you know, a little bit in the David Bowie, Black Star kind of, you know, realm, really. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, and, and, and that was a shock in itself. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, over again. Oh, I didn't think you'd know that. Yes. I, I kind of dismissed that song, actually. It's, uh, we don't do it in a live set anymore, but um, it, it served its purpose and it's, it's now dropped from our set, but... Um, I think it was just an album filler, that song. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, it was. A, I, I, we, I liked it for five minutes and then the novelty wore off. And, yeah, it's it's. Um, I do that with songs, though. I like them for a certain amount of time. Some songs, not all of them, but some songs I like for a certain amount of time and then I'll just ditch them. They bore me after a while, and that's one of the songs. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't like. Yeah, what's an okay song? I, I haven't heard it from a long time so a year. we haven't played live but we're yes it's not in the set this friday we're playing the show this friday here in uh, in melbourne yes. um we run on the superstitions uh, uh a bit of a comeback show a bit of a welcome back to me show so it's just a small show but it's it's almost sold out which is lovely because uh, there's been, you don't realise how many people care out there, do you? Really, you just think nobody's going to be really that interested. But 
um, this amount of support is, is it's it's incredible, very emotional, and uh, the, the, the 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 amount of support that people go, no, we love you, and we want you to get better. It's like, wow, really? <laughs> so it's all very gorgeous, and it's and it's life changing, and it's certainly done it for me. So, um, and so we're sort of gearing up. For this Friday, it's going to be quite an emotional night, I imagine. Yes, well, absolutely. Um, I guess no one thought yeah. they'd be seeing you again because I saw the posts exactly, early, yeah. early in the year where it was like we've had some bad news and and things aren't looking good. So that almost felt like mm. oh well, that's and and the die pretty couldn't really continue without you, really, could it? I certainly hope not. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't allow it, even from the grave. Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, well, they probably could, and they'd probably do a whole, hell of a lot better than with me. So um, we've had our moments through the years of uh, modicums of success, I guess, splashes of success throughout the years. But um, we were probably the band that could have and should have but didn't sort of thing. So, yes. Well, it's quite it interesting. A, we're always getting the rug pulled out from under us. That uh, as soon as we'd reach a certain point in our career, we'd get to uh, get the bloody rug pulled out from under us and uh, have to start again and, and take half a dozen steps back. And uh, but um, we, um, yeah. So it's, look, uh, it's, it's so weird with Diane Pretty like now because uh, the guys want to know that I was okay to do more shows with Diane Pretty. I mean, I'm doing this show this Friday with the Superstitions, but we need to do, I mean, you know, obviously Diane Pretty is where I you know, we earn money, really, on touring. So that's the, the big band for me. So, um, you know, they needed, I, I wanted to get back to work with them as soon as possible after cancelling the shows this year and the Brian Ferry thing down, down the green. But um, uh, they needed to, they wanted to God to love them. They wanted to talk to my doctor to make sure. Even though I kept telling them, I'm okay, I'm cancer free, it's all good, I'm, I'm fine, I just need to exercise and, and you know, not drink anymore and stuff like that. So it's all good. As long as I don't drink and smoke anymore, it'll be wonderful. So, excellent. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't take it from me though. They had to speak to my doctor. So, wow. um, <laughs> my doctor uh, uh, told them he's all right. He can't guarantee, but as long as Ron doesn't drink or smoke and exercises and eats well, and he should be fine. So Excellent. that's my new regime at the moment. So we're, we're due to perform next uh, next April. Brilliant. I, know, I, I saw you've got some dates. Yes. So look, some Ron, dates, I said. Yes. So is it possible to give us a little bit of a background on, on your kind of very early formative years, you know, when you were listening to the radio or listening to records and you were thinking god this oh, could just, be uh, what back in the back in the 60s and stuff like that yeah so I, what was your musical kind 60s. of what was your mo musical journey i mean i'm i have to confess i'm in my mid 50s and i was probably listening to things that my parents uh, you're a baby i'm a baby <laughs> basically aren't i but yeah. i was i was listening to things like the carpenters and burt Bacharach, which kind of slipped into my subconsciousness, which obviously years later, the work of Joy Division and, and the Smiths all follows yep. a very easy narrative because lyrically they're the same. So, But you were probably listening to something slightly different than the a Carpenters. A little earlier. Well, no, well, a little earlier. The, the, the Carpenters were basically 70s and um, and I started sort of like listening to <clears throat> sort of um, sort of late 50s stuff, like uh, R&B 50s as a as a... 10-year-old, I listened to the radio all the time. It was the, you know, the old cliche, you know, listening to the radio all the time as a child, you know, but you didn't have before TV, we listened to the radio all the time. And, yes. and, 
and and here um you know and and I had older brothers and sisters who had things called 45s you know singles singles <laughs> they yeah and they'd play them and I I had you know, I discovered a box of singles once and it had just all this sort of R&B stuff in it and doo-wop stuff and 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 soul stuff and it had uh, a few singles in there by a band called the Beatles yes, you know that bit and, of... and, because because uh, Few more singles there could buy band this band called the Rolling Stones. And, right, they were coming and, uh, over, weren't they? And but but because because two artists that I've always adored is is David Bowie and Lemmy from Motorhead, and whenever mm-hmm. and they were the same age, and whenever they were asked the question, not together because they were never in the same room, but when they were asked, you know, their musical influence, they'd all they both said Little, little Richard. Um, so did people mm-hmm. like Little Richard and Elvis kind of slip into your aura? Probably Little Richard more so, but not overly. No, I said went for more obscure stuff, you know, like um, uh, I don't know. Jeez, I can't really think of any. But um, I don't know. Just early sort of uh, sort of R and B stuff. I'm I'm just trying to think of some things like um, oh, finger popping time. I forget who sang Hank Ballard, things like that. Right. Uh, Hank Ballard and the Limelighters, finger popping time. I think that was that was one of the first songs I ever heard, and it was just great. You know, and all those 50s sort of teen sort of songs, you know, Paul Anker, I don't know, you know, the Brill Building, you know, um, Neil Sedaq and all yes. that sort of thing. Yes, and um, um, Anthony Newley? Not quite, no. No. No, that, I didn't that quite, was, no. That was David Bowie's attempt uh, at Elvis, Elvis, it was, wasn't it? The Laughing Gnome and all of that. Yes, that yeah. was dreadful. Um, so when did you start oh, to think you? And um, so when did you start to think you were going to sort of to um, sort of begin a career in music? And you thought I've got. It was the typical, you know, cliched performing in front of the mirror, and uh, you know, when I heard uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, you know, um, you know, Little Red Rooster or Out of Time or something like that, you know, when I heard those first early um, Stone songs, I love the Beatles. But I went for the Stones. I must. <laughs> there was that thing, you know. Mick. Uh, yeah, you went, uh, went for the the, the and uh, I just went for the Stones, and to this day I still adore them. Yes. God love. Them. And and yeah, they, Dagger influenced me immensely. Yeah, and and just their songs, and 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 I just stayed with them through the years, and just you know, I've just loved a lot of yeah, it's a classic and. Um, but I do like the Beatles. Yeah, but as, as the as the seven, did a few good things too. Yeah, they, they, I think they pulled, they, as Ringo said, they passed the audition, didn't they? And that was the main I thing. I think so. Yeah, just yeah. They, but, they, uh, I like I like the Stones because they were a little bit more for my for me as a as a, a kid. They were a bit more rebellious, and I always had that rebellious sort of finger to the world sort of thing so sure, you know absolutely yeah. but as the 70s progressed um, there was the glam rock period and then there was prog oh rock. i love the glam rock period that's when i yeah that's when i had you know i grew the hair and started to wear glitter and platforms and flares and stuff like that i love the glitter period yes and uh, of course discovering things like t-rex and bowie and and stuff and you know yes absolutely uh, but a more bubblegum stuff like the sweet and uh, yeah, I even like my Kukachu by Alvin Stardust. Absolutely classic. As <laughs> Susie yeah. Quattro, she... yes. Well, you got to remember, sort of, you know, a lot of us even liked Gary Glitter at the time, which obviously we didn't have any idea, you know. Oh, bugger! You're gone again. 
Are you still there? There is reconnection. Oh, I first heard Virginia playing. Oh, wait a minute. It just, Hello? Yes. Yeah, are we going? No, we're all good. I heard a weird noise. That's yeah, so I, because I, I would, ju- you just said about Susie Quattro, I just mentioned um, Gary Glitter, who obviously was a big, big influence in our lives. And then you mentioned, um, yes, Mike, Mike, Alvin Stardust. That was it. And then the connection slightly died. <laughs> yes, yeah. But he's, he's passed, has he? No, he hasn't passed. He's still alive. Oh, okay. Yes, but well, Gary. Just, but, he had, well, he had that bubblegum side of glam, didn't you? With a lot of, uh, but you had things like Roxy Music, who were just amazing. Yes, this is them, right. Um, so, how did just, how did the world then? Because obviously, as we got through the seventies, and you had the glam period, and then you obviously had the soft rock world of the Eagles and 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 Fleetwood Mac. You then no, got I can the... never get into that, and I can never get into this, that sort of whole. You know, a Californian thing. I never liked it. No, I never liked the Eagles. Or, uh, and and probably you know, don't. Even though I, I got into different genres, I got into sort of Graham Parsons and stuff like that through the years. Um, you know, I loved all of that stuff. Uh, Graham Parsons and uh, you know Joni Mitchell. I went through. You know, blues one of my all-time favorite albums by Joni Mitchell. Yes. Well, the river, Um, you know, the river was just a classic. So did you... Oh, oh my God, that's, yeah, beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. Lyrically, it's there. But then you obviously started to get influenced by, I would have said, obviously, I don't know, punk must have started to um, bubble away. And then you had bands, obviously, like the Sex Pistols and then the Saints and other such bands like the Clash. Yeah. And and did did that movement sort of make you think... This is it. This is the moment. To be honest, not overly with me. Not the English stuff. Um, I went for. I I was always into. Um, for me here in Australia, I, I we had a band called Radio Birdman, and I was a huge Radio Birdman fan, and still am to this day. So, and they're and they're very dear friends of mine. We've known each other for forty odd years or so now. So, um, yeah. So I I I loved. Uh, at, at that time, there was a band here called Radio Birdman, and I used to go and see them all the time, and. And um, you know, yes. and 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 Saints had come to Sydney, and I'd see the Saints, and and uh, they were fantastic. Also, so the Saints and Radio Birdman. Um, I love the Damned. I love the Damned, and I love the Clash. Um, and I loved a single by the Sex Pistols called uh, Sex Pistols that was called Pretty Vacant. <laughs> um, but, yes. Um, I actually preferred like the Dam, the Dam's first album over everything else. I love that first album with New Rose on it and stuff. I, I thought that was great. Yes, and, and Smash uh, It Up, marvelous. Yeah, and uh, you know I liked Eater. <laughs> I remember that band Eater. They had a song called Outside View or something. Yes, I do they actually. Were, they were Eater. They're all about thirteen or something. <laughs> they were younger than the young punks. You know that that was the whole novelty of them. Like you had the, you know, Johnny Rotten and that were really young and they were punks, but these guys were 13 and 14. That was their sort of... That was their moment. So look, yeah. so as 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 we trundled through the 70s, in, in the UK, obviously there was kind of lots of kind of issues and everyone was getting angsty and there was a lot of unemployment at the time and you know then there exactly was no... so it wasn't it was so totally different here because we were still you know this sort of lethargic, lethargic but we're sort of called a casual country here yeah you know what I mean yeah absolutely along and we sort of couldn't identify with a lot of things and uh, uh, upheaval that was that was in, in England at the time so but one 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 of the things because there was that post punk period where you had you know bands like the Gang of Four and the 
Peel and then you had Magazine <coughs> and, and lots of those kind of other yeah. such kind of slightly scratchy and interesting Wire was was another one. So then for me... Love 154, that album by Wire. It's a great album. It is a classic. But yeah. then, but because I put indie pop down between the years of 83 to 87, which is basically the years of the mm-hmm. Smiths, who had this huge influence on us, and the Died Pretty were there right at that sort of moment really so we were we formed in what uh, the end of 1983 we formed i think our first show was you know december 1983 and we and our first single which was out of the unknown that was january 9 uh, january 84 that came out i remember that at least that's one thing i do remember was uh, and then it was uh, 84 we sort of played throughout 80, 1984 and sort of onward and upward for us for a few years there so Yes. Um, but I was heavily influenced. Around that time, we had the college charts also, American college charts. And I was, um, uh, I, I remember hearing Radio Free Europe by REM and just adoring that and just loving that band yes. to pieces. I just adore. So I was heavily, Brett was more, Brett was more, um, he was heavily influenced by the Smiths and stuff like that. I was more influenced by REM, that American side of things. For yes. some reason, you know, I, 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 and still do, I still adore R.E.M. So because, because before the Die Pretty, you, you were in the Screaming Tribesmen who had a very sort of brief and exciting period with, with you in it. Did that? In them for, I was in them for like five minutes, you but, know. I, I never liked the names, so <laughs> I left. Uh, I was in them for, I was in a band called The 31st, and that, that, that sort of, sort of morphed into the Screaming Tribesman and there was a name change to the Screaming Tribesman and I sort of didn't like that name so I left. So, But I think I did one or two shows with them under the Screaming Tribesman banner. So um, so during that period, obviously going from one band to another and getting quite success, quite a bit of success, it didn't sort of ever put you off because most people, after being in a band for a few years, think, God, I'm never going to do that again and forget the whole thing. But obviously you've got a taste of what it could be like. I did. It was lovely. I mean, I think I'm here for a re- I love creating. I've always loved writing songs and performing, obviously. And, and you know, and I, and I think what's happened to me now, I, I'm here for something to continue that. You know, I still love, at my old age, uh, I still love writing songs. Uh, I love collaborating with people and writing songs. I, and... And and performing and performing those original songs, I love it. I love creating. So, um, you know, things like recording that and videos and stuff. No, I'm not really into, but I just love like writing songs and performing, and and still do. I, I still have this childlike sort of enthusiasm for this thing. Yes. That probably at the age of sixty should be. I should be not doing anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, but then, um, but then you look at the Rolling Stones, and I mean, they're more than sort of happy to. Well, at least Mick's on. got a good head of hair. I can't even say that. Yes. Uh, once I started losing mine, it was like, oops, what do I do now? It was like it was my my beautiful head of hair. Once that sort of started thinning and uh, receding, um, yeah, you have to sort of rethink and go. Well, do I want to? You know, because there's nothing worse than seeing those old sort of codgers. You know, still performing, and you know, yeah. But, but, but the interesting fortunately, thing. I, uh, fortunately, I read lots of GQ magazines, so it's okay. 
where I get my fashion tips. So. Yes, that's always good. Skincare regime. <laughs> so, um, yes, I know, good. But so those early years with Dyed Pretty, you you sort of got picked up into the, the kind of UK market quite quickly, didn't you? Even before you had the album out, you were sort of on people's radar. I think radar. Uh, there were the three magazines around at the time. There was Sounds, uh, Melody Maker and NME. And I think um, I think Sounds and Melody Maker... Uh, loved us, NME, bit hard enough to crack. We couldn't. We really didn't crack NME at all. I think they were kind of no. Nah, they didn't take to us at all. Um, Sounds and Melody Maker were championists. They were very behind us, and they gave singles like Mirror Blue singles of the week in their magazines and stuff. But yes. for NME, no, they didn't really. And I mean, I remember our first show in in London. Um, it must have been the, what 1985 or 86, I think. And it was our very first time overseas, and and, uh, and we wanted to be really like our friends, you know, the you know the birthday party and the go-betweens had all been really successful in England and stuff, and we wanted to do the same. And yeah, it didn't work for us. But I remember our first London show, and it was at the Ulu University yes. of London Union. Yeah, and it was such a huge show, and the silly promoter put us on. And I wouldn't have minded had we he put he headlined us. Get this, he headlined us over the feelies and the meat puppets. It's like you've got to be kidding. We're headlining over these two brilliant bands, and uh, that I loved at the time, the meat puppets and the feelies, brilliant bands. And and uh, we was we thought we'd just you know they'd throw us on at the beginning. We'd just open up at the Ulu, you know, and then we'd see these two brilliant bands. No, there was the Meat Puppets on first and then the brilliant Feelies. Who, <clears throat> Brett and I were side of stage going, oh, my God, how can we follow this? Oh, my God, we were just panic-stricken. <laughs> and, of course, we went on and, no, we got the thumbs down. Oh, no, you know, it was a huge, uh, silly, silly move by whoever put us on. Uh, to think that we could headline over these two amazing bands. And that was the start of the, you know, it was like, how dare they come over here? Who are they anyhow? And, uh, and of course, the, the, the feelies and the meat puppets were uh, being lauded in England, they were in London, uh, these two huge American bands. So, and this little Australian band called Died Pretty sort of is headlining. It, it was ridiculous. It was totally, totally ridiculous. And, and Brett and I knew that. And, and, but what can you do, though? You just have to lunge for the vodka bottle and go, God, how are we going to get through this? Tricky, um, tricky business. Because they were brilliant. They were brilliant bands and, you know, it was our first tour overseas. We, You know, and it just got worse from there. I think we travelled around England and to sort of mix. Yeah, I didn't think English audiences were sort of mixed. It was like, eh, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> What are they called again? But uh, so it, look, wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't go over well in England at all, but anyhow. But then you, you obviously sort of held together and what doesn't kill you? Well, Europe was another story. I mean, we were huge in France and Italy and stuff, yes. so that was made up for that. But of, then you, know. you wrote one of the greatest songs of all time and, you know, and you know what I'm going to say, the Blue Sky Day from Free Dirt. That was a classic. Blue Just, Sky Day? Yes. Blue Sky Day? Oh, thank you. That's, that's it's not a, yeah, it's, it, it's the, well, the oh, first well, time not... when the first time you hear that song, it is very special and it does kind of slightly blow your brain, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's just this little pop song that we wrote. My god, that Brett and I wrote. 
It is. Yeah, okay. with, uh, it's nothing. Yeah, it's it's quite a pleasant pop song. It's nothing. <laughs> I never thought it was any great shakes, but it's just quite a pleasant little pop song that we didn't. So we wanted to go for sort of heavier stuff, sort of more longer, sort of mirror blues type stuff and, and we were writing these little pop songs it was like eh, okay <laughs> and but people seemed to like them so well absolutely yeah. i mean well on the strength we of got that, quite poppy there for a while well absolutely and and you also got picked up on what goes on records as well didn't you yes yes it was what goes on. i think beggar's banquet god love them they tried to do the best they could with us, I guess, poor old Beggar's Banquet, but, um, you know, it was a bit of a uphill battle. I don't know. There was a hell of a lot of ego on that in the band at the time. I remember that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think we were more concerned about what was on the rider or what our hotel rooms were than, than actually playing shows and stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was that sort of times. It was just lots of ego. And, and then, you know, you come back to earth and it's like, Years later, you go, oh, my God, why did we do that? Yes, but you, know, but you were young. The time. You were having fun. You were well, well, relatively young, yes. We were, you know, first time overseas, travelling to all these amazing, you know, countries and stuff and seeing this history and, and stuff like that, you know, coming from, a, you know, uh, Australia, which is, you know. And did you get the sound? Because a lot of people often struggle to get the, the, you know, the band to gel, the producer, the engineer, the studio. I mean, did that come together that, you know, when you played it back, you thought, yeah, this is this is good? Or did you feel disappointed? For the most part, yeah. Uh, for, the, uh, well, like for, you know, for, for our most popular album, which was Doughboy Hollow here in Australia, um, uh, that's our most sort of loved and well-known album here in Australia. So um, we got Hugh Jones from England, uh, from London. Yeah. Hugh Jones, we got him out, and then we got him out for the next one, which wasn't that good. It was the total opposite. But but, but so just he, but before that, you that had... That was our not Hugh's But yeah, before that, you had Every Brilliant Eye, which you located, relocated to L.A., which seems quite extraordinary. Yeah, well, so how did that... How did so, that experience, you know, um, go with that? Oh, another, another, what the hell, what's going on? That sort of, you know, again, plunged into this place called Hollywood for seven weeks. These little guys from Sydney, Australia, you know, plunged into this metropolis called Hollywood, just going, we were wide-eyed and just going, God, we're more lost in that than actually concentrating on doing the album. But we got um, a guy called Jeff Eyrick. As I recall, yes, uh, an American guy called Jeff Eric. We, uh, Brett and I, picked, selected him. I think he'd done some work with a band we liked at the time called Rank and File, and also the um, Gun Club as well. That's right. Yeah, so we thought he had pretty cool, cool credentials. So we picked him, um, and uh, yeah, it took me a long while to like uh, Everybody You Die again. Yeah, I just didn't focus for me personally, writing and stuff, and. I got too caught up in the sort of lifestyle that I, you know, that whole Hollywood thing and, um, you know. Were, were there a lot of drugs? Not knuckling down and, and, and uh, you know. Because David Bowie yeah. felt, but Sorry? David Bowie, when David Bowie relocated there, he thought it was hell. I mean, he thought it was just the worst place in the world. And I think that's where he got a very big cocaine habit. Did you also delve into that kind of darkness and the, mm, the nah. hideous? No, no, I was never a drug person. I was always, no, I was a booze hound. Right. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, I was never delved into the drugs. Never appealed to me much. 
Yes. Uh, at all, a little dabble here and there, but nothing, nothing like David. <laughs> no. Nothing like Bowie, nothing like that, nothing on that level. No, I was a booze hound, uh, and so I love booze. So, um, uh, But I did get into, yeah, yeah, sort of, you know, it uh, got in the way of a few things, but uh, a lot of things, but, um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but then... yeah, Hollywood, yeah, not a nice place. I would, I, you know, New York, on the other hand, I adore it. It's one of my favourite cities I, at the time. I haven't been there since the 90s, so I don't know what it's like after 9-11, so I, I have no idea sure. what it's like. But I love I loved New York. Uh, that was amazing when we went, uh, went to New York. That was great. But Hollywood, yeah, it's a bit dark over in Hollywood. It was, <laughs> it was a very, very strange place, incredibly yes. strange place. But look, when you were, you know, because having done this show for a long time, most bands have a five-year narrative, you know, especially the UK where they would, you know, from that period they'd get together, you know, often because they were unemployed, there was not much else to do. They'd do a single after about 12 months or 18. John Peel played it, they'd get a John Peel session. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. then they'd get the first album, the first album, everything going well. Second album, a bit tricky. If anybody ever toured America, they'd come back broken and that was when the band finished. But you were still trucking on, you know, through through quite a lot of kind of you know ups, yes, you know, ups and downs, stu- blindness, stupidity, or both. Or something. <laughs> we kept trundling along, didn't we? We could, they couldn't, you couldn't knock us down. No, you you, you again, definitely kept getting up again. And because uh, because uh, a lot of the bands, a lot of English bands would go to America and be very successful, and uh, and and uh, for a certain amount of period, yes. for a certain amount of time, I mean, uh, you know. They'd be lauded over there, and uh, and then you know, two or three years later, they'd be, yeah. Uh, so with with Doughboy Hollow, which was kind of produced by Hugh Jones, how did you yes. come across him? Because he was a British, you know, record producer. So did he also have a CV that you thought we need this guy and we're going to drag him over to Australia? Yes, I think I think it was. Yes, I, I just can't recall now. I think it was. Uh, Brett and I got together and and. Uh, uh, Ready CV, I think it was. Yes, uh, it, it was handed to us, and uh, 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 we liked the sound of him. So, um, and uh, so, uh, and uh, did it? What a lovely man! It was a what a gorgeous man. It was, a, it was a pleasure to work with him on Doughboy. But as I said, he did also did the following album called Trace, which was for me kind of the opposite. It was just didn't. Didn't uh, you know one one album with the the, the Doughboy Hollywood did with you? Everything was wonderful. It took off here. It was it's still a very loved album, and the songs were just right and everything, and and everything fell into place, and it was just perfect, and it was gorgeous, and the it was totally opposite to the following album, the next album called Trace. It was I was you know out and about and partying a bit too much, and you know ego and all of that, of course, and uh, not concentrating on. Uh, on uh, the task at hand, which was, you know, uh, producing another album and writing for another album. And I I ignored all of that and, uh, you know, coming into the studio with a hangover, things like that, little things like that, and you just go, oh, my God, you know, this is in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing. You look back and go, God, what was I thinking? But it was, you know, ego and, you know, the times and, you know, it's uh, unfortunately you can't go back. But, um, but, it, but it has proven to be well, your most commercially successful album and, and it sort of peaked. It was, at... wasn't it? Yeah, especially overseas. I think uh, in America it did very well. 
Yes. Trace and one called Harness Up off that did very well, and we're supposed we're supposed to we were supposed to tour America with that album, and uh, again that's when the, another rug got pulled from under us because uh, we did the Sony conference in Glen Eagles in Scotland, uh, with, and we were died pretty were representing Australasia at this Sony conference at this castle, and there were there were bands from all over the world that, that were coming to that were on Sony that were. Yeah, playing this conference and uh, and uh, uh, we played this con. This I think we played two or three songs and the uh, the American guy called Donny Ina, this guy Donny Ina, apparently our our record label Sony. Said, we were on Columbia in America, which was a subsidiary of Sony, and this guy must have been there and just uh, he either thought I was gay or the band were gay or, or allegedly, so I was told. Uh, that I was, he didn't say gay, he said not say something else, but um, uh, allegedly, and uh, and and uh, proceeded to stop the American tour. So we had to come back to Australia three weeks early because we couldn't tour America. But the, we were so close because there were talk of a Letterman appearance and all of that sort of thing. So it was all quite exciting. And then just this guy didn't like the look of us. Blimey. Live, so. So he said, no, tell them the American tour is off, not to bother, go, go back to Australia. So you must have, you must like have felt, was I was going to say, you must Sorry? have felt devastated from that. A little bit, yes. <laughs> it was sort of the uh, tail between our legs time back. We had to sort of lay low when we got back here. It was just, yeah, it was fairly crushing. Yep, it was, um, but, uh, you know. As I said, we're very resilient. We got up and dusted ourselves off and continued on again. It didn't knock us that day. But uh, it's, it was a matter of uh, what if, what would have happened. You know what I mean? Like what what if it had gone, things, our fortunes may have been different, for better or for worse, we don't know. Yes, but then you got a support slot with REM for their monster talk. So that must well, have... That, uh, yeah, well, you know, we had to put in a bid, of course, but uh, that was a... That was a, that was a highlight of our career or certainly of my career uh, my musical career my musical journey and uh, that was lovely I mean we did have to submit a and as I said I'd uh, loved the band for many many years since I first heard Radio Free Europe in like I think 1982 so in 19 I think it was 1993 or 1994 the monster tour was here in Australia yes but it was around 1994 Early 95. 95, I think, 95, yeah, yes. I think it was 1995, and uh, by that time, Died Pretty had sort of, sort of flatlined a bit here, you know what I mean, we were old school now, we weren't sort of this new, exciting Sydney band anymore, Australian band, we were sort of older, and there was a hell of a lot of, as, as, it, as it goes, you know, it's yes. a horrible age thing, that uh, newer, younger bands come up, and you know, they replace you. You're no longer this sort of, you know, happening band. And by that stage, you know, we were still loved, and but we'd be sort of more established. We were one of the more established independent bands. So I guess so. But but you've got to remember, you know, from the UK, being you know an indie fan kid who was obsessed with John Peel and the NME and sort of anything that sort mm-hmm. of. Especially anything overseas, you know, there was like the Triffids and the Go-Betweens and obviously Nick Cave as well, and also died pretty. Yeah, well, so. that all made it. <laughs> we wanted to do the same, and we thought we would, but uh, we'd follow suit with those guys, you know, with those artists, but no, we didn't. <laughs> so Yes. Just, 
but then but but i guess they would have probably also thought i mean by then they were having a lot of problems and issues and and had sort of i don't know what time or what year they they sort of called it a day but you know the things weren't that easy in in either of those bands so it's just what happens in in the world of rock and roll exactly yeah 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 well well, all the bands we've mentioned those three bands are pretty brilliant bands so they are they are but at the same time you were sort of also having kind of changes of the lineup was that a good thing did you did it sort of bring sort of new creativity and energy to the to the party or was it quite tricky having to of course of course that always does and it was it was nice you know it was just uh you know one uh, member goes and another one i think the nucleus has always been Bratton myself really yes you know absolutely we've made, we've made all the decisions and and and, and for, for the most part anyhow made a lot of this it all came back any decisions or any final word or anything like that was down to brett and myself so um so yeah it was it's nice you know just getting uh, members in and uh, members could go and it's no it's no sort of great you know uh, just another member comes in and and, and they and you know it's fine and look, so, then you had your sixth album. This is pretty impressive. And this one, Sold, was particularly emotional for you. Yeah, well, probably after, <laughs> after uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think looking back, it should have been Doughboy Hello, then Sold, because it was a much stronger album than Trace for me personally at the time. It was a much stronger album than uh, Trace, and so it should have gone, should have been before Trace actually. But uh, and that's sort of a for me, it's a fairly underrated album of ours of Died Pretty. Yes, uh, I think there's a lot of great songs on there. There's some really, really good songs, and you know, uh, I think all the performances in the studio are really great. Yes. Oh, I think you're just about to crack up. The the vocal performances, I'm quite proud of the vocal performances. Uh, I I, I didn't let the side down. I think um, I was starting to wake up to myself a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, realise that this is is what I do. It's a career, you know, and I'm sort of very fortunate to have this thing where I can, you know, it's not a nine to five thing. It's uh, a beautiful creative thing. Where you get together with people and create music and songs and and this whole world and then you invite people into it. So as I'm very lucky to to still be able to do that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, parking back to Sold. Yeah, it was it was a great album. I really love Sold. Uh, it's not my favourite Die Pretty album. My favourite Die Pretty album is the last one, Every Daydream, um, which was uh, a couple of. The, I think there was there was a uh, Sold and then. Using my gills as a roadmap was our sort of weird, weird electronic and type album where Brett was discovering loops and samples and stuff. And I remember him ringing me up one day and going, "I don't think I've, I don't know whether I'm going mad or I've got our next album." But um, <laughs> because he was just looping all these weird sort of, you know, he'd he'd, he'd loop all these weird sort of samples from No Pussyfootin' by Eno and. Uh, and uh, Frippinino, and he was looping, uh, sampling things off metal machine music, and then something else on top of that, and then a weird drum sound, and then he'd put acoustic, his acoustic guitar over it. And I was just going, wow, this is amazing stuff. I loved it. And it was just something different for us, you know, if we wanted to stay in it and and keep, uh, you know, we couldn't keep doing Doughboy Hollows. We had to, you have to 
sort of progressed. So he was doing all this looping and sampling, and that was in 1997 when Using My Girls came out, Using My Girls as a Roadmap, uh, which was even a, a, a quirky title even for the album. But um, that's a great album. There's some great things on that. Again, the vocals should have been, yeah, vocals should have been a lot better. But anyhow, one day when I've got lots of money, maybe I'll redo them for that, re-release it or something. I don't know. <laughs> redo the vocals for that album because uh, it deserves it because there's some nice songs on there. Yes. And but then, then the last but... album was Everyday Dream, which was following the electronica thing, you know, getting into sounds and samples and electronica and stuff. Yes, absolutely. And did you have a moment, because a few years later, in around 2002, you announced the band would disband after the Australian tour. And did you... Well, but yeah, yes, we left it until, yeah. We, we, we probably should have announced it a few years earlier, maybe, because we, we'd, uh, you know, we'd, uh, it's been a while. So to 2000, it's been nearly, I think it was 19 years when we announced, or almost 20 years uh, since uh, when we announced uh, we were calling it a day. So that was, what was that, 2002, wasn't it? Yes. And did that feel, and, uh, did you sort of feel like it was definitely the cards were there and you you could definitely see it coming? Well, no, but yeah, yeah. Well, from from about 19, from, from the mid-90s onwards, we knew nobody was that interested anymore. You know, when you've been around for a while and, and there's just newer better bands coming up and they're younger. That's a youth thing. You know, they're younger and they're better and, and and it's all a kid's thing. That's what sort of shits me about music in one respect. It shouldn't be just about kids, older people. Yes. I, you know, I like to, 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 to perform in that. It's just not kids, you know. Uh, I, I think I'm doing some of the best stuff I've ever done now at the age of 64 and performing even better. Yes. Uh, ever. Uh, and I just get sort of irate when it's just, oh, it's for kids and you've got to be a certain age to, and you're just like, you don't have to be a certain age to perform and to create. I know. You know? Well, you know, the other legend, there's lots of legends on there, but there's Dave Graney and Claire who are still rocking. and Beautiful. Well, they're friends of mine and they're beautiful people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, great. Uh, you know, and they, we all live in Melbourne here and, uh, you know, we see each other out socially and, it's a nice, you know, little group of, of, of creative people that, you know, just support each other. And, and we all know, yeah, it's, you know, we're of a certain vintage. So, you know, but we still have this great love of music and creating. Yes, you know, absolutely. And, so and did you... collaborating with each other or supporting each other. And it's just lovely. Absolutely. Know, so. And did you have a moment where you all sat down and said, look, I think this is the end, to quote Jim Morrison, for the for the first time that the band decided to uh, call it quits. Yes, it was all it was all quite amiable and and fine, and it's like yes, I think it's time to pull the plug. And everyone went yes, I think so. Well, it's just that nobody was interested. We we couldn't get a, a record out. No, there was no label interested in. Um, you know, we couldn't get one up. You know. Um, Citadel wasn't going, so uh, you know I, we just it was just that time. It was just the right time, you know. Sure. Plowing on was just kind of ridiculous. Nobody, there was no interest. So, you know, and and you know, so we're we're at that stage now where it's the reformation stage. You know, we get together once every couple of years and play it. It's lovely, 
you know. And 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 so many bands are also doing that as well, where they're just sort of, I mean, Radio Birdman are still playing dates, aren't they? Of course, I saw them a couple of weeks ago here in Melbourne, which is fantastic. You know, they were great. They were brilliant. Absolutely. Um, and it's like you know. Uh, it, it was, it's great. So you know, it's, and age had nothing to do with it. I wasn't standing there going, "These guys are really," you know. It was just great, energetic music. It was, it was fantastic. Well, and, they, yeah, but then Dennis does look like a rock god, doesn't he? That man never ages. No, no he, he does look he's, good. He's got a bit grey in the hair, which is a full head of hair, I might add. He does have so that, that Iggy Pot. He could be Iggy Pot's brother, couldn't he, really? He does have that look. Well, yes, well, he's, he's looking a bit better. Iggy's looking a bit, yeah. Iggy yeah. <laughs> should put a T-shirt on. Yes, um, yes, there's, there's, there's far too much going on. But look, before we get there, but you also got quickly put out two solo albums when you know the band had finished and this was in the in the early noughties so did that sort of because you got together with Kim solo albums I put I did uh, a couple of Darling Downs albums with Kim Semen yes yeah that was the Darling that was now my I I felt like I wanted to do sort of a Graham Parsons country thing you know that sort of bluegrass Leuven Brothers you know, that real old 1940s Leuven Brothers type thing. So I wanted to do something. I spoke with Kim and, and uh, you know, um, he uh, he was quite uh, enthusiastic about getting together and doing something different that we'd ne- neither of us had never done, which is a country thing. Yes. And then, and, um, and then obviously after that, you know, like all things, there is the call that you get in 2008 to reform for this All Tomorrow's Party. So did that, um, was that quite a I surprise? Think was, um, what was it? it was, I don't think it was All Tomorrow's Parties. I, I, it was... Um, well, Don't Look yeah, Back. Don't, don't Look Back. It's called just a series of, an, an album series, a uh, uh, concept of uh, doing an album from start to finish, and it was called Don't Look Back, and... And uh, yes, we did that with. Um, uh, we went on tour with Ed Cooper, who did "Honey Steals Gold" as his album from, from start to finish. So it was a, it was lovely. So the, the brilliant Ed Cooper, we did that with him. Um, and um, oh, I forgot the band we had on first. Um, anyhow, but we did that. Uh, that was that was the start of the Reformation period. Uh, the start of the Reformation. Yes. They're getting back together. So that was lovely, and um, isn't it funny? Age and everything like that. It, uh, uh, and did it all uh, click? We become sort of... stronger. Yes, it, it was amazing. It was totally. It's. Uh, oh, we love each other. We're, we're, we're. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very beautiful thing. Actually, we just sort of got together, and it was uh, it was magical. It was it was great. Yes. We just got together and did the songs and everything fell into place and everyone tried really hard and, and, you know, it wasn't about a rider or whatever. It was just about let's do our best and we knew we were a certain age and we, you know, you don't want to go out there and say a bunch of losers, really, (laughs) you know, at a certain age. You don't want to go out there because it's just sad. It looks horrible, you know, wrinkly old, crusty, man you know in a bear or you know whatever 
um, people in a band. Yes. You know, because it just looks tragic and you feel sad for them. You know, they haven't looked after themselves or, you know, and you just go, oh, God, i got to, yeah, i got to get out of here because it just looks horrible. So we made sure we, we looked good and, 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 you know, and we played, we rehearsed and played. And, and, and nowadays, you know, the last tour we did a couple of years, with, uh, we did a 2017 tour with Radio Bourbon around the country and that was wonderful and have never played so well. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's like, my God, why couldn't we have done this back 25 years ago? But, you know, you can't. So, uh, you know, uh, we're doing it now. And yeah, and with yeah, your current and with the current lineup, obviously with Brett, mm-hmm. is that one of the strongest yeah. lineups you've ever had as a band? Yes, yeah, it's great. Uh, myself, John Howie on keyboard, Steve Clark, bass, and the wonderful Chrissy Welch on drums. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's strong, and and we're all in contact with each other. Obviously, the band were very very concerned when I had the cancer. And they've been they've been right by my side here, just uh, throughout the year, just being very supportive and very, very loving and very beautiful. And it's a it's a very one it's a just a very beautiful thing. So yeah, when um, so when you yeah. when you when you were going through that experience of, of sort of the you know going to the hospital, having been checked over, mm-hmm. having doing the chemo and the having lots of tests. Well, having lots of tests and mm-hmm. blood tests and yep. then having the scans and then having the operation. Were you yep. thinking, A, you might not survive and B, whether you were going to be able to sing again? No, I knew I was going to survive and I knew I'd sing again. It's fine. I was fine. That's what nobody can understand. <laughs> was, uh, just, I don't know. I just, it was just, Doing what I was told medically, like by the the staff that was working with me, the the medical staff. I had a wonderful team of people, nutritionists and and the surgeons and the, the doctor. They, they were all just wonderful. Yeah, amazing. And I just did my thing. I did what I was told. I didn't sort of go out and go to the pub or something after a blood test or something stupid like that. I did what I was told. Uh, it finally came time because I, I didn't think I'd be operated until. Like now, September, towards the end of the year, they said they were going to operate and remove the tumour. But they did it in May, so it was so far ahead of time because I just look after myself and did what I was told and was very strong. The chemo and radiotherapy had no effect on me whatsoever. And they were sort of just going, this is, they're saying, you're going to feel this and this. And I felt nothing. It was just that just, you know, my, my hair actually started to grow back instead of fall out. Um, when I was doing chemo, because I was, you know, uh, it was just it just didn't have any. And so I just, I was just gotten stronger, and and and, and then of course, uh, you know, after that, there was a six and a half six and a half hour operation. They went through the front of the stomach, and then at the back under my shoulder blade, they went through two places. So I've got big scars and stuff, and they've healed really well. So. Um, you know, and they had to pull my stomach up and sort of attach it to the rest of my esophagus. So I've got a little tummy now, so I've got to be careful what I eat and how I eat and and all of that. So, but um, it's all it's a, no, I never felt weak or anything like that. That is extraordinary to have that mm. such a you know to be able to come back from a six-hour operation so well is quite. Well, I was speaking on the phone the next day, so uh, like that sort of the next morning. So it was it was. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's. Uh, 
boggling, really, because it was interesting. I don't know if you've been watching these rock documentaries, because 30 years, I've realised, seems to be a period of time that passes where, you know, I don't know, we, we don't, we, we take everything for granted. And then suddenly you go, oh, my God, that's amazing. We must go and document it. So there's like films that have come out on the slits and L, L7 and the wedding yep. present. Mm-hmm. And then the go-betweens and then the chills. Did you see the chills mm-hmm. film with Martin Phillips and his... Uh, extraordinarily bad health i've seen none of those films at all actually uh, I've, apart from the go-betweens but i haven't seen the chills no yes because his you know he had, he had hepatitis c i think and also he had yep. um yes an alcoholic so his liver was failing yep. and that that's the kind of start of the film where he's been told he's only got a few months to live so obviously you've managed to sort of turn your health around quite incredibly so how's that well, going to affect your musical creative output well um, hopefully 100 percent. i'll be well i look fabulous at the moment that's for sure and uh and working out in the gym and and uh, well just being more positive and and just uh, i don't know i you know I've, as i said i've got a show coming up in a week's time you know a comeback show so you know i rehearsed on the weekend and and uh, for it just it'll make me stronger and more determined and because uh, it's a place I love being yes is creating in the set in the set of, of, of creativity creating it's a wonderful thing um you know and have to you, be surrounded by it's, and, it's it's an amazing thing and and with with the band obviously are you the most kind of extreme character within the lineup uh, with with my new band, the Superstitions. Well, no, just just generally, because because obviously most people that have been in bands kind of eventually drop off and they go and get another job I or get another. Go- as, well, I think it's the whole lead singer syndrome, you know, that sort of, you know, the lead singer thing, you know, where I've got to be the most outrageous in all of this and drink the most and whatever and then carry on. Yes. So yes, I've probably been the most flamboyant, shall we say. There was no, uh, there was, but there was no plan B, was there? Like with people like David Bowie and Lemmy, they were like, I'm going to do music and I'm going to keep trying until it works. And if it doesn't work, then I'm that's just... Very incredibly special people. Well, you look at Bowie, I mean, God, <laughs> how special was he? Yes. Uh, but your incredible. but your output has been kind of phenomenal as well. You just haven't ever sort of let up. So, again, you know, the, the sort of the drive to keep it going has been quite extraordinary. Yeah, it's just because I love what I do. I love this thing called creating, as I keep saying. You know, I just love what I do. It's, I'm very fortunate, you know. And, and, and uh, I, have a, I have a 21-year-old son called Zebediah who's doing the same thing. He plays guitar and he sings also in his band called Grey Jacks which is very cute. Um, the music's a little fast for me these days, but I said, uh, you know, the last time I heard music that fast, it was the Ramones. So uh, back in 1976 or 75 or something. So he's he's doing his thing musically also, which is gorgeous. Yes. And so, but even though I tried to, I don't know why, but I tried to sort of go, I tried to do a father thing going, you know, get a proper job. <laughs> Don't do this music thing. It'll break your heart. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't. And now I'm just supportive and going, you know, just be careful and, you know, just don't court, you know, just, you know, be yourself, be an individual. Don't follow people. Yes. You know? <clears throat> and just, just be careful. It's, uh, uh, you know, and, and surround yourself with beautiful friends and always have, 
you know, lovely friends that support you and love you for you and not just, you know, because of who you are or something or just have lovely friends. And, and I'm, I'm blessed to, to have that in my life, you know, just for, you know, just to have a, a, a wealth of beautiful friends that are just, we've known each other for, you know, 40 years or something, you know. Uh, and the, so it's a it's a great thing. So well, the relation the relationship he's doing his thing. So yeah. And I was going to say the relationship you have with Brett must be very special because you do, you've yeah, been through it all, haven't special. you? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're just I'd like to think we're just old dear friends that you know. I mean, he came he came down about four times before I got operated on. He just came down for the day from Sydney, flew down from Sydney, visited me, and then went back in the afternoon. Flew back in the afternoon. You know, I mean, that's pretty amazing for someone to do that. Yes. You know, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, what? I, I mean, I know it's a bit of a corny question after you've actually answered it in the previous. But what would you say to an eighteen-year-old, you know, person or your eighteen-year-old younger self who was starting out in this wonderful world that is rock uh, and roll? Yeah, just I don't know. Be careful of the potholes. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know. What would I say? I don't know. Well, I've got a 21-year-old son, and I'm just telling him to be careful. And you know, if you want to pursue, because he, he adores music, also, I can't sway him to sort of, you know, he works at a warehouse, you know, yes. uh, and he loves. He plays guitar and he sings and he writes his own songs and he's love. He loves doing it, and you know. He's playing different, you know, I guess it's different times. So I think, you know, he, he'll sort of, he looks after himself and, you know, he doesn't drink and stuff like that. So he's got a, you know, an advantage already. You know what I mean? He, they, kids look after themselves these days. Yeah. And they don't, you know, it's different times and and uh, it's just sort of unfortunate to be still around myself, so... Well, absolutely. You know, I can guide my son as best I can, you know, and just, you know, and, and, and it's up to them eventually, you know. You can just guide and, and then let them go and just hope that they, you know... I, I don't want him to get involved in drugs or heroin or crap like that. It would break my heart. I just need to tell him all of those horrible things, that there's sort of evil out there and to beware of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and next year you have dates as well. So is there sort of a April next year, yeah. We're just doing um we're just doing the capital cities here in Australia and then stopping. We're not doing you know, sort of a big and then we'll probably come back in October because uh so we'll do some in April. We'll just do, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth. Just one little show each city and then come back in October. Yeah. And do some more. And, and just uh, not make a big sort of, you know, Let's do three sold-out shows here and three, you know, or, you know, just do a nice little, one little show each city, lovely, and it'll be nice and uh, and it'll be lovely. It'll be very loving considering what's happened to me this year. It's going to be a very loving thing and, you know, as I said, uh, it's almost sold out this Friday for me, so it's, I've never sold out anything, so, <laughs> I'm so I've pre-sold about five tickets in my life to anything I've done, so... The, the pre-sales are a few hundred now for this show. And it only holds 400, so, 
Yes. The little place I'm playing, it only holds about 400. So there's, I think it's about 350 sold already. So we've still got another week to go. So that's just unheard of in my, you know, in my life. So that, you know, as I said, I pre-sell about five tickets. <laughs> so this is kind of special this Friday. So and with and with your solo shows, is it what's you know, do you have a problem what to include and what not to include in the um, in the set? Not really, no. Well, the superstitions. I mean, it's Ronnie's been on the superstitions. We have what three albums out. We've got to we can draw from material from those three albums. Um, we've got a fourth coming out. Hopefully, the first half of next year. Uh, it's all been written. The songs have been written. I wrote them with Cam, Cam Butler, the guitarist, uh, at the end of last year before I got diagnosed. Uh, we wrote the songs, and they're fabulous. And Again, it's a, a little different from the last album we did, so that should be ready to go. Hopefully, uh, I'm writing lyrics at the moment for most of the things. We're going to debut a couple of them this Friday. Uh, we're going to do a couple of new songs off the album, the forthcoming album this Friday. And uh, as I said, rehearsals have been great. So um, you know, um, touch wood. I'm in. I'm in fine fettle. So yes. Um, all good. The 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 one thing with not drinking and smoking. And the voice just changes again, you know what I mean? It's got all this power vocally. It's wonderful. It's, it's very good. Yes. I'm hitting notes I never thought I knew. So it's, it's all good. So, yeah. So we just, um, you know, continue creating and performing and, and you know, it's, I don't think, I, I can't see us ever getting overseas again. We've died pretty anyhow, I don't think. I've hinted heavily. But I don't think anyone's interested in Europe and stuff. But it's like other bands can go over. Why can't we? But I don't think – I think we were so hateful of those tours we did. Nobody like wants us over there. But anyhow, um, it would be nice. But, yeah, it's a monetary thing also, you know. Yes, it's a bit tricky. I would imagine it's very It tricky. is, it is, it is. But it would be nice before we shuffle off this mortal coil. But well, anyhow – well, I would you imagine, never know. yes, but and also, I mean, you know, I mean, you did create some stunning work, you know, which obviously. Well, thank you very much. As, thank as, you. as as a fan, you always want to see the band, you know, perform it live. It's always something quite unique. But um, and I would imagine it's quite difficult to know what to include, and what to leave out when you play the die pretty stuff. Well, that's what we're going to have to – well, Brett and I are starting to talk about it. Now, now that these April shows are locked in for April of next year, yes. uh, the, the five shows, now Brett's sort of going, now, do we want to do different things? Do we want to do the same set as we did two years ago on the Radio Birdman tour? <laughs> do we want to do the try and true or do we want to do some different things? Because we've got a, quite a bit of material to draw draw, draw from. So – um, you know, that's the next step is just getting the right. Because uh, every time we go out, we tend to do because Doughboy Hollow was the most popular album and the most loved album. We tend to draw things like God Bless, Sweetheart, and DC. Those three songs off. But I'm, I feel like I should relegate them to the encore yes. <laughs> rather than put them in the set and and maybe put some some different songs on. Uh, in the set, I just don't know. I just sort of nutting that out at the moment. So you're gonna, um, you're gonna, you're gonna please some people and disappoint others, aren't you? Really? Hopefully, it will please most people, and 
you know, we'll please ninety nine percent of the people. Hopefully, we'll 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 get a nice we'll get a nice percentage happening. We'll get a nice thing happening. Yes, where it'll be lovely. And uh, the the thing is that we love is because uh, Brett was very mindful of touring years ago because he didn't know if we were going to, you know, I was going to, you know, it's going to be bloody erratic and chaotic touring again and, you know, but he said, you know, I just love playing these days with the band. It's just wonderful. And it is. It's just great. It's just, you know, as I said, it comes with age and all of that. Yes. You know, there's just, just and, 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 and liking each other and loving each other and, you know, and was it's it's just a it's a it's a great thing. Absolutely. Um, well, it's and it's a, and it's a total pleasure just to do it. Well, it's a gift, isn't it? Really, it's a gift. It gives them a holiday anyhow, so they get a too. Well, I'm glad it's all gone so brilliantly well this year. Even though yeah, you probably yeah, it did have a dip, and now it's up, and now in the future, the new decade, it's all going to happen, isn't it? I hope so. Well, yes, as I said, uh, we're all getting on, but uh, uh, I refuse to lie down, so it better happen. 2020. And do you, you, I mean, you you do your sort of solo stuff, but do you ever think, actually, I should be able to write some material for Die Pretty and re-record some new material for them? Yeah, we have talked about it. I don't know. It's, It's a weird thing, isn't it, when you've had a band for 20 years and... I don't know. With the superstitions, I'm writing lots of great songs with Cam, and the three superstitions albums that I've written with Cam Butler, the guitarist in the superstitions, um, and Brett and I've uh, sort of talked about maybe releasing just a single or something. But it's always in the back of your mind: is it going to be like? A, because we've released all these songs, these died pretty songs through the years that are great and they're loved and that, and you you release something 30 years later and people go, oh, God, yeah, they shouldn't have released that. That's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's going to be I – want, I want it to be up there with the best of died pretty stuff, you know what I mean? The, 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 I want it to be powerful and I just don't want it to be some, you know, just crap song. So I don't know. There's a couple of – we've got a couple – sort of floating around that we could just could put on, I don't know, what do you stream them now or something? You can put them on iTunes. Or I don't know what they do. Yes. As I said, I don't have a computer, so I don't know what's um, – technology has just gone beyond me. I don't know. I well, don't have a computer. So. Well, you're just lucky you've got charity. I am, yeah. She does all of that sort of thing. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. Well, she well she, she she hooked you and I up. So I said I didn't know what to do. I don't know. I don't have anything on my phone. I just make local calls and texts. Yes, uh, I've got no other app, uh, apps on my phone. So I uh, don't have a computer, as I've said before several times. Um, you know, so she just sort of went. Well, I can do it on my phone. I said, well, that's wonderful. So blimey, she's is... gone out for coffee, and so yes, she's so a star. I'm going to go after the gym now. Yeah, absolutely. She's gorgeous. She's lovely, but she's not coming on tour, so um, <laughs> um, well, maybe I don't. So is this her uh, phone or is it her computer? I'm on her phone right now. Yes. God, the magic. I'm on her phone, and she's gone out for a coffee, and now I'm in. I'm in. 
Yeah, I, I'm in gym gear. I've got to go off to the gym now. Oh, yes, so you must more. go and work out and um, do some... I've got to do the treadmill and the bike and the little sort of thing, barbells and stuff. And Yes. Uh, get it all nice and beautiful for this Friday. So, <laughs> yes, so... It's going to be good. It's going to be a very emotional night, so... I, yeah. I, I think, you know, there are going to be tears, aren't there? There will be, yes, 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 and a lot of them. So, as I said, there's a lot of people coming. It's It's been overwhelming so i'm just i'll be a little nervous nelly this friday and uh and the rider will be just full of tea bags and stuff i guess <laughs> i can only i can only drink tea so i'll be having tea backstage so that'll be nice so the rider will be very scarce because my the rest of my band don't are not big drinkers either so there might be a six pack there or something maybe uh but so uh, they're not drinkers either so yeah Yes. A rider won't be a died pretty rider, that's for sure. <laughs> this is true. Look, Ron, look, you must go and um, rock on. Yes. But look, it's been amazing to speak, and I hope you Love have an amazing... Thank you so yes. much for uh, calling in that. It's, it's very lovely. Thank you so much. Well, look, take care, and uh, love to charity as well. I shall, David. I shall, and you take care, and uh, maybe... Maybe we'll meet sometime. We will, I hope. Okay, okay. take care. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.